This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Eddie DeBartolo, and you're listening to The Eye Test for Two with Clark Judge and Ira Kaufman. Well, welcome to a special edition of the Eye Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. And I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are, of course, both Hall of Fame voters who are joined today, as always, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. And we called this special session today to acknowledge the passing of former coach and player, Marty Schottenheimer, who died this week at the age of 77. Now, I got to know Marty when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs as a head coach, which means I got to know today's guest there, too. And that's Bob Moore, who spent 40 plus years with the Chiefs organization, first as its PR director and now, and I think for the last 10 years, as its historian. And Bob has been gracious enough to join us today. And and Bob's a longtime friend of my wife's and my family. And Bob, I I thank you so much for joining us. Wish we're on a different occasion. But I want to thank you for, for joining us. Well, I'm glad to, to be here to at least talk about a great guy and, and uh, certainly a great coach. So any opportunity I can to speak about Marty Schottenheimer, only, I'm only too glad to do it. Well, thanks, Bob. And, and just to fill in our listeners, and, and maybe because they don't know, but Marty died Monday at the age of 77, as I mentioned, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he was living. And he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014. Now, he won... 200 regular season games and he's a legend in Kansas City I know that when I go back there and and Bob certainly knows it because he dealt with him every day Uh, if you wanted to get to Marty you had to go through Bob and Bob I guess the first thing I'd ask you is when you hear that name Marty Schottenheimer what first comes to mind is it a memory a game a conversation what first comes to your mind I think it's every single day you dealt with him you know the the thing that that I learned from Marty was the fact it was a very, very easy guy to speak to. He was very natural. He had a lot of leadership abilities that became apparent without having to act that way. In other words, he was a teacher. And when you talk to other players and other people who are with him, you'll certainly find that they consider him as probably one of the best coaches they've ever had. And that includes a lot of Hall of Famers who people maybe not recognize, but say someone uh, like Harry Carson. Harry Carson will say that he doesn't make it in the NFL without Marty Schottenheimer. LaDainian Tomlinson says he's the best coach I ever had. But the most remarkable thing I think I read, and Ira would probably uh, know the guy who said it, is um, Steve DeBerg. Steve DeBerg told me the other day when he was reminiscing about Marty, he said, you know, people ask me all the time. I played, or I played for Tom Landry. I played for um, Dan Reeves. I played for Bill Walsh. I played right. for Don Shula. I played for all these guys, Marty Schottenheimer. Who was the best coach I ever played for? Marty Schottenheimer is what he said. Because Marty Schottenheimer knew the entire game and he could coach it from every position. And that's a heck of a statement from a guy who probably played for some of the greatest all, all-time Hall of Fame coaches in the in NFL history. Bob, what's your favorite Marty Schottenheimer story? 
I don't have a favorite story because every day was, I always remember the things that Marty would say and everybody says, Hey, here's the gleam and everything. Marty, the best thing what Marty ever did was he would always say the best kind of ability is availability that, that you had to be able to play. You had to be able to contribute. And that's, that's certainly the one. The other thing that I most respect about Marty was the fact that he never, ever made excuses for his playoff record. Never did. He says, it is what it is. You know, I think it's sad that he never got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, and you'll find even people like Ozzie Newsom, who said to me the other day when he was talking about Marty's career, that it was on the players. It wasn't Marty Schottenheimer. We let him down and it's something we'll all have to live with. So I think that that's probably the one thing. He never made excuses for his career. And just to show you how awful some people could be, the original obituary that appeared today on the, in the Washington Post said, uh, he was a loser in the postseason. Oh. Is, that, is that really the kind of stuff we want to read about a guy in an obituary column? Really? Really? And they took it Bob, down later on, but, you know, that's Bob, the thing you have to live with. Bobby, he coached 10 years uh, with you in, uh, in, in, uh, in the heartland, and, and he averaged 10 wins uh, a year for those 10 wins, uh, those 10 years, Bob. And, Bob, when he, when he showed up in Kansas City in, in 89 – uh, describe to our listeners uh, what kind of franchise he, he was joining at, at that point. Well, at that particular point, the team was off the map. Their its existence was off the map. They hadn't been, essentially for 20 years, no one paid much attention to the Kansas City Chiefs. That essentially when they moved and say after the 91 loss to Miami, they quickly disappeared as a franchise and went through a number of coaches, bad drafts, and uh, although they were playing in probably the greatest stadium ever, ever built in the United States in the NFL at that time, there was very few people there. I mean, the crowds had shrunk in some games to as low as 10 to 15,000, believe it or not. And at that time it was a 79,000 seat stadium, one of the largest in the league. So it didn't exist. So it lost all its credibility and the owner had come to a point where he had to turn the whole operation over to Carl Peterson and, and Marty Schottenheimer. And that was a major change. That was the biggest change that happened. And then had to create it all over again because there were very few people who remained interested who had been there back in the sixties when they were winning, uh, when they won the Super Bowl four. Bob, I don't think there's another coach in the league's hundred year history, Bob, that suffered more brutal postseason losses than Marty um, and Bob before he even got to Kansas City. Of course, he had the drive and the fumble back to back. And then, Bob, you know, I, I followed the Chiefs very closely. And he, he had that loss to Marino when he threw that pass. Uh, what a pass Marino threw and, uh, against a great corner in Albert Lewis. And, and that was a tough one. And, Bob, what about 95 when they lost to Indianapolis? I thought the Chiefs had the better team. Bob, but, um, you know, Lynn Elliott missed a bunch of field goals. I mean, Marty never, he never apologized. He, he never, uh, he never made excuses for those, those games. No, that was, that was probably the, the worst loss, the, the 95 loss. Although the next week Indianapolis gave the Steelers all they could handle, but there's no question that that was the worst loss. It was a very cold day and we thought we had the edge because we, um, we were outside and we were playing an indoor team in, in Indianapolis, but Indianapolis, you know, did it to us that day, but Lynn Elliott shanking all a bunch of this passes and then the quarterback more or less fell apart. And that's the real key to tell you the truth, guys. 
we never really had the great quarterback. We go through maybe seven or eight quarterbacks, maybe more than that. When I was there, he never had that guy. So when people ask me, what's the difference? It's the quarterback. We had good quarterbacks. We had Joe who took us the furthest at that point, but he was in the waning years of his career. So it wasn't going to last very long. And then we just went through others. Just some years we went through five and six guys. And he, that was the same thing that happened. Actually, I think in 88 in Cleveland, he went through five different quarterbacks. I think he had Gary Danielson at the end. I'm not sure, but I think it's, that's what it was. Now, when people say, well, you lost to, to um, you lost to Miami in 91, the Chiefs did. Well, Miami, the team they lost to the Miami Dolphins in 91 was a great team. The 97 team, Denver, that was a great team. They went on to win a couple of Super Bowls. So I'm not going to say that those were yeah. upsets. And there were things in that 97 game and some calls near the end of the game, which I think we should, we could have won. So, yeah, there were circumstances that came up, and it always seemed to – and then, of course, the one in San Diego, which was a heartbreaker to say the least. It was a lot of hard, hard luck, but we didn't have in Kansas City the great quarterback – the Patrick Mahomes that they've now seen now, if he had Patrick Mahomes, I think things could have been a lot different. Well, Bob, a lot of people, when they think about Marty Schottenheimer, they think about Marty ball and maybe some of our listeners don't know what that means. Could you explain yeah. it to them? What Marty ball means? There's Marty ball was run the ball and play great defense run the ball and play great defense, especially when you get into the colder months of the year. Cam Cameron, who you know as the offensive coordinator, reached out to me shortly after the announcement that Marty was in hospice. And he said, you know, when I was, when we were coaching in San Diego, we had, a, we had two plays, one called 40, I think it was 40 power and 50 power. The 40 power play was called the Marty because that's what he ran. The 50 power was called steel, which was Marty's roots at Pittsburgh. They ran it 40, 24 consecutive times against Oakland in the Raiders at the Raiders. They had 28 points. They ran it. He said 16 times left and I think four or five times right. I can't remember 28 to nothing. Marty could dictate every single time what how guards would pull. And he just kept saying, keep running it. Here's the amazing thing. On 50 power, the steel play, LaDainian Tomlinson went in for a score and set the NFL record for scoring touchdowns. Now, that was Marty Ball at, at its best form. And we used to run it with Christian Okoye in Kansas City. You know, but then everybody thinks he ran that all the time. But then he later, you know, expanded into the, the West Coast offense and he changed everything and he changed it a couple of times. So Marty Ball was certainly had its roots with him, but you know, he wasn't, he was not too, too stuck in his way, not to expand it into something else either. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that expanding it because when he was in San Diego, he did have Phillip rivers and you go back to that 2006 year, they were 14 and two that year. And uh, I went out and covered that playoff game. And I, I remember, you know, what happened and um, they, they ended up losing. And, um, and then after the season, he's, fired and I don't want to get into the details of it except that I know that there was some friction over I think he wanted to bring in Kurt his brother as an assistant there were some questions where that was going on there was some friction with the, the GM there and so he, he leaves after they're 14 and 2 
And then he just disappears. He goes down to North Carolina to look after his grandkids and play some golf. A, how did that affect him? And then B, do you think he missed the game walking away after that performance, 14 and two, and then losing in that playoff game? I know he missed the game because he told me later on that he wished he hadn't left Kansas city. You know, that was, that was something he said that he regretted was leaving Kansas city so soon at that particular point. He, he still had coaching in him because he had the one year in, in Washington, which he said may have been the best coaching job he ever had. I think he oh, yeah. won like the last six or seven games in a franchise, but at that particular point, he and, and Dan Snyder uh, had differences of opinion, not to the extent that existed, I don't think, in San Diego. And I'm not privy to all the San Diego talk, but I know that, at, um, that he and Dan didn't part as, as enemies. I think the fact that they both wanted something that they had different opinions on was the case there. And at that point that he did, he missed coaching. There's no question. That's why he went to that strange Virginia destroyers in that, league that existed for about seems to be about a couple of months but oh, yeah that's right <laughs> he did go to them and did that i mean that was almost like a you know almost something like a uh, uh you know semi-pro almost but you know they had players and they paid them so you know well, you know it's funny when you mentioned that washington year that one year mm -hmm. i think they started out three and eight and he won his last five games that's my recollection they yep. won their last five games with tony banks as their quarterback yep Yep, they won a bunch at the end with Tony Banks. And once again, he was back in a situation with the quarterback issue. You know what I mean? That is the thing. You know, it's really interesting. Everybody always thinks, well, you know, all you need to do is want to get a quarterback. Well, if that was so easy, we know what's happened in Denver. It's not so easy. One day, you know, your quarterback's going to age, guys, and he's going to go away. Are you going to be able to get the same guy like that? Maybe San Diego has found a way this year, but. Generally, it doesn't happen that way. Bob, I want to ask you about a, a really bright spot in, in Marty's tenure in, in KC. That's 1993, Bob, Montana's first year with the Chiefs. And, Bob, I, I went to the playoff game at Houston. I mean, that was a, 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 a tremendous day for Chief fans. Houston, I believe, was heavily favored. Bob, I think they had won 11 games in a row. And... They beat the Chiefs 30 to zero in week two. I don't think Montana played that no, week. He didn't. He didn't. But not a lot of people, Bob, not a lot of people, maybe except you and Marty and the players, thought you could beat Houston in Houston. And um, that was a fantastic game for the Chiefs. And, you know, next the next week they lost to a, a, a great Buffalo team. But that was a real highlight, Bob. I think you're absolutely right. Because at that time, I believe they were 11 and one at one point or something like that. They, they, they had run off a number of, of wins. They had not, and they were probably the best thing guys. I think they were the best team in the NFL at that time, or most people thought they were. That's right. And, and, and that game played at the, <laughs> the old um, eighth wonder of the world. Uh, <laughs> the Astrodome. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, you know, the carpet would come up when you'd slide <laughs> and stuff like that. Everybody yeah. says, well, you know, that was a great game. That was, that was a Montana win. What they, what they forget is it was the defense. They took the ball away. They had something like, I think they had nine sacks in that game. Yeah. So, you know, certainly Montana made the difference, but that was a defensive game. I don't think they, um, they had many uh, yards in the second half. They uh, used it. That was probably the, the zenith of his time there, to win on the road there and to win, you know, in a big playoff game. And then the next week, 
Joe gets knocked out of the game in the first half and we're playing there and it doesn't look good and it didn't look good. And it just got worse from there. We dropped the ball in the end zone and, you know, it just, just continued on. So it, you're right, uh, Ira, that was probably, that was, the, that was without question, the, uh, probably the best win we had at the time we were there. I'll tell you another great win. Monday night in October of 91 against Buffalo, when the Chiefs hadn't been on Monday night football for something like six or seven years, you wouldn't put them in because there was nobody to go into the games. We beat Buffalo 33 to six in that game. We got a million sacks or, you know, a lot of sacks. And Tony Dungy to this day said it was the loudest he ever heard a stadium. And so it goes back to your original question, Ira. That was the arrival of Arrowhead Stadium as the one of the, as, as it is still today, the loudest stadium in the NFL. You know, it's interesting. People come out there and say things. Oh, yeah, you Pittsburgh. We've always been fans there. The Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have a big audience until who? Until 1970s when the great players came. They talked like, oh, this has always been this way. Well, it wasn't always that way. And, and if you went to old Pitt Stadium where the Steelers played back then, there was no one there. And then later on, you know, they all came. And the same thing was true in Kansas City. NFL films would shoot the stadium so tight that you couldn't see the upper deck because there wasn't anybody sitting up there. So <laughs> they'd have to shoot that, you know, those classic photos of the ball going through the air. They didn't shoot any of those back in the 80s because there was nobody up there. Marty Schottenheimer and Carl and those people brought the people back in and they really had a feeling for it. Uh, Bob, thanks so much for doing this. One more for me, Bob. Um, Derek Thomas, We'd be remiss not to talk about him. Um, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, well-deserved. Bob, talk about the relationship between Marty and, and Derek Thomas over the years. Well, number one is, I'll tell you something incredibly ironic. Marty Schottenheimer died on the same day that Derek Thomas died. Oh, wow. Which was yesterday, which I think is kind of ironic. And the fact that it happened that... Um, that he was probably, everybody says, well, well, Joe Montana was the guy that Marty, no, Derek Thomas was the face of the Kansas City Chiefs during, during Marty Schottenheimer's time there. And one of the classic NFL film segments that most people remember and that Steve Sable told me was the most important, and Clark, you may have even been there. It happened in a game against the Chargers when Derek made a personal foul at the end of the regular at uh, end of regular time. And it set up, uh, it was a sack or roughly the quarterback set up a field goal. I believe the chargers got it and the game went into overtime. We were being Mike Marty was miked at the time. So what happened is they have a picture. Derek is, de is just despondent. He's sitting on his helmet crushed. Marty Sean have standing on the field next to him and gets down and crouches to him and says, Derek, you got to listen to me. We're going to need you. You got to forget about it, son. This was a classic. Sable told me this is one of the great segments that the films has. You know, we see the here's the gleam and all that stuff from Cleveland. This, to me, is a perfect essence of the coach-player relationship. You, Derek, you got to forget about it. We're going to need you now. You got to get, get, get together. It was tremendous. Derek Thomas and Marty were a, sort of a, like Carl and Marty, like Carl and Derek, father-son type relationship. You know, you're my first pick. But he could, he could also, um, he could uh, be critical of Derek. When Derek had all those fouls in a game against uh, Denver one year, he benched him and uh, didn't even play him the next game. 
So he could be that kind of a figure. And that seems to be what comes through with everybody's memories of, of Marty. You know, if you made a movie about a coach, you could make it about Marty Schottenheimer because he was a friend, he was a teacher, he was a coach. And those are things that I think most people have in their mind of what a coach is. And you guys are in the Hall of Fame committee, and I know Marty will probably unlikely ever get much of a shot. But you kind of wonder sometimes whether maybe guys like Marty Schottenheimer, when he encompasses so much of what coaching is all about and teaching, you know, maybe you should look at those things too. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to get involved in it, but I seem to I, I, I agree with you, Bob, because I have the same question with Don Coriel. I mean, that's my point with Don Coriel. Uh, it's about more than just uh, Super Bowls and, and playoff records. And, um, and, and yet, so far, we've made no inroads with either of those guys. So, um, uh, but I agree with you. Uh, we're speaking with Bob Moore, uh, who's been with the Kansas City Chiefs for uh, 40 plus years and, and was very close with Marty Schottenheimer when he was there. And Bob, I've got a couple last ones for you. You knew him as well as anyone, I would think, uh, within that organization because you were dealing with him every day. And I'm not talking about on the coaching staff. I just mean within the organization. What were the things that he loved and what were the things he really didn't like, either as a person or as a head coach? He didn't like the Raiders. I can tell you that. <laughs> Join the club, the right? <laughs> he didn't like the Raiders. And he would always say, one day I'll tell you why I don't like the Raiders when I retire. Well, he never got around to saying it. But I do know that was the one thing he didn't like. And he, we liked playing the Raiders for that reason, because he thought he could always beat them. And this was the Raiders of the past. It may not have anything to do with the Raiders of today. I don't want to say that it did. But I think the most things that he really appreciated the most was the teaching element of the game. That's what he really liked to do. And he told me he had learned that from his short time when he was with the Steelers, right before his career ended and they cut him. He said that Chuck Knoll, that's what he liked. He enjoyed teaching to positions. And I think that that's what, what, what he did. He liked the relationships. He really fit in as a, as a, as a head coach. And almost immediately after he was uh, replaced uh, replaced uh, Sam Rattigliano in Cleveland, a couple of the staff members told me he stepped right into the coaching role the next moment and got everybody together and almost seemed to take to it naturally. It was almost like a, a military commander who's waited for his opportunity and did it. So teaching and coaching and his relationships, it was always Marty. You didn't have to call him coach and anything like that. If you didn't want to, you could call him Marty. He was just a regular person who had a lot of kindness. And if you failed, you just went on to the next play, one play at a time. That was the way he lived his life. And lastly, what do you think his legacy will be? How is he going to be remembered? Um, probably as one of the best coaches in the National Football League by the people who, he, who played for him. They will know where others will not because the others will just take a look at the record and say, you know, it'll be, and this is sad in a way, well, you know, he's, he's, I wish he could have won a Super Bowl. I wish he could, because he was a great coach and a great teacher and a great leader. And some of those things will get lost, but it won't be lost. It won't be lost on the players who played for him. It won't be lost on the people who worked with him. That'll be the key. And maybe in the end, that's all you really want anyway. And that just having those people respect you and think of you rather than worry about whether some obit writer puts down, you know, loses in playoff yeah. games yeah. maybe that's the only thing that matters maybe that's it really it in the end yeah and i i know being around him with the chargers and then the chiefs when you were there 
he had that respect. I mean, and, and, and he had it with his the people who were there. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was. He's missed, and he'll be the best coach I ever I work, I work for. And really, for some good coaches. I mean, Jim Moore, I liked, and I like uh, Dick Vermeil. They were good coaches because they were head coaches, and you know them when you get them. You know, you can hire all the coordinators you want and think they're going to be good coaches, but. There's no guarantees. You don't know who the next coach. If we knew who all the new great coaches were going to be, our owners would 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 hire them. And you just don't know. Bob, I said one last one, but you opened the door there. I, I am going to say this is one last one. If you liked him the best, he was the one you liked the most. What was it about him that made him so likable, the, the, the most likable coach for you? Because he talked to you, whether you were the highest guy on the roster or the lowest guy on the roster, you were, you, he was kind. I got a quote, I got a call from a cleaning lady from the facility where he was at. And we all know how horrible Alzheimer's can be. And it can make certain people mean. Even at his worst, Marty Schottenheimer, she said, was a kind and sweet person. And she didn't even know who he was. But she knew that if he had held all his faculties, how kind he would have been to me. And he always talked to her nicely. And, you know, this is the kind of guy he was. Even in the worst physical condition he was, he was still kind and sweet to everybody. He never, ever talked. And I worked for some people who were horrible people, who were mean and arrogant and didn't have anything like a resume that he had. And he was good to all, to all everybody in the building. There was no separation between the football side and the, uh, and the business office side. None at all. Everybody was the same. Bob Moore, I know how busy you are today. Thank you so much for the time and thanks for sharing your memories of my guys. Time. Always like talking to you and Ira. Good to see you, Ira. Good to see you, Clark. Anytime you know that, especially about a guy like Marty. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob. That was Kansas City Chiefs historian Bob Moore and Ira. Let me ask you, how are you going to remember Marty Schottenheimer? I'm going to remember him as a traditionalist, uh, a guy who respected the game. And you know what Marty Ball is? It's winning football. That's winning football. It's winning that's football. Right. That's, that's right. what it is. Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for today. But we're going to be back this week. Boy, it's been a busy week, guys. We're going to be back this week again. Yeah, with another guest. Yet another one. This time, it's 2021 Hall of Fame member Drew Pearson is going to join us. So tune in for that. In the meantime, in the meantime, Ira, tell them where they can meet you and find you at Twitter. At iKaufman76, Clark. Ian Glendon, how about you? At IGLEN31. And I can be found at, at Clark Judge, at T-O, Clark Judge, T-O-F. Wow, I can't even remember it. At Clark Judge, T-O-F. And Ian, Ian, you tell them where they can find the three of us. Of course, at the iTest for two. All letters, no numbers. Yeah, I mean, as we say, you know what? If we don't hear from you then... You can hear from us now. In fact, you can hear from us tomorrow. Where, Ira? Where? On the eye test for two, my friend. You are correct. Thanks so much for listening.